Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is the WEI Celtics Podcast with Sam Packard. If you follow Jay Crowder on Twitter, there's really one thing you should know about his journey to the NBA. It all started in the driveway. So when I sat down with Jay to talk about his path, I felt like that was the most logical place to start. What driveway was that and what, what started there? Growing up, I had other brothers, other older brothers, two older brothers, two older sisters. One of my older brothers was very good in high school, and my other sister was she was good as well when I was in middle school. We used to always play basketball. They were for sure the better ones, but I, you couldn't tell me they were better than me. Me taking all those those butt whoopings on on in our driveway and really helped me keep working and want to be better than better than them and, and be better in basketball. So I think I just always revert back to the times where they used to beat me. I never used to win games in the driveway because they were always bigger, faster, stronger. If you watch Jay Crowder play today, you know something special started in that driveway. But what? How did Jay Crowder do it? How did he go from losing these games to his brothers and sisters in the driveway of his Georgia home to being arguably one of the most valuable players on the Boston Celtics to being one of the main reasons why the Celtics are in the playoffs for the second consecutive year. How did he go from messing around in his own driveway to signing a five-year, $35 million contract that will change his life forever? To find out, I talked to four different men who coached Jay throughout his journey from high school, two different junior colleges, and then finally Marquette University. Using all of that information, I then sat down with Jay and got him to reflect on his unique and unlikely journey, which started in the driveway and has now taken him to the precipice of NBA stardom. It's the WEI Celtics podcast, and this is the growth of Jay Crowder. Jay was born in Villarica, Georgia in 1990. His dad was a professional basketball player who had a cup of coffee with the Utah Jazz in the early 90s and then played professionally in Europe for the next 13 seasons. Jay went to Villarica High School where he played both varsity basketball and varsity football. His coach for both of those sports was Jason Robinson. I had a chance to talk with Jason and my first question to him was what stuck out about Jay Crowder when he was in high school? He has always loved to play basketball. I mean, when he came through, people don't realize the gym that he played in was built in 1959. It held just under a thousand people. Wow! And the floor—it was in the summer. It was not air conditioned. In the summer, we had summer camp games, and you know, there's a time that we took a wet bulb leading inside, and you know, if we had been playing football, we couldn't practice because it was the humidity and the heat was so high in there. So, and he was up there every single day, working out, working in that. Um, you know, they'd call me on the weekend. Hey, coach, you go open up the gym and got some guys that want to go play. It's one of those things. He was always competitive and he hated to lose one thing. I mean, that kid hated to lose. And it, 
we'd play pickup games after school, three on three, they'd be in there. It was almost an argument every day, you know, if, if he, he was on the losing side of something. He was, they were arguing, you know, get physical, but it was always with his buddies and all. You know, when he walked out of the gym, it was over with, but he took that stuff personally then. So he had a competitive edge about him way, way before. It was obvious that a young Jay Crowder loved the game of basketball. So I asked Jay, where did that passion come from? My dad was a professional basketball player, so you got to realize that's what was my, my number one thing. And that's what I envisioned playing was basketball. And I watched him play, and I, that was my role model. And that's what I looked up to. Uh, so uh, even though I was uh, trying to get whatever you want to say, I was always um, a guru of basketball. I always wanted to play basketball. I wanted to, always wanted to be around basketball. So that's where my passion came for the game. Was college basketball even in the picture? Or is it something you wanted to do? But how realistic no, did you think that college, was? Uh, college basketball was not in the picture. I've I wanted to play football in college at that point. And um, I was being recruited by football teams, and I wasn't recruited by basketball, any basketball colleges. Jay was clearly ultra-competitive and had a love for the game. So why was the son of Corey Crowder, an NBA player, not planning on playing basketball in college? See, the problem for Jay was that although he had an NBA father, but by the time he was a junior in high school, those NBA genes had yet to kick in. Jay was overweight when he came into high school. Um, honestly, I, I thought of him, my first impressions was uh, a little short, squeaky, uh, overweight point guard. You know, he had a high-pitched voice when he first got, got to high school. and uh, He used to play quarterback, of course, all through high school, and I did special teams. And uh, we'd have pre-practice, and he'd be out there with quarterbacks. He'd come up to me his chest down. So, coach, one day I'm gonna be six foot tall, you know. And then one day he comes up to me. He's like, coach, I think I'm six foot tall. And it was summer practice going right before school started this senior year. And I said, I think you might be six foot tall. So we measured him in my classroom at the time. We had a lot of construction going on in the school, and my classroom was actually in the trailer. And we measured him on a door frame and put his weight down. He was five ten. Or I'm sorry. Uh, May of his junior year, uh, spring break, we measured he was five ten to thirty. And um, but that day, it so happened is he did six foot tall. And about every forty five days, we took a measurement on on the same foot frame. He grew about an inch every forty five days. I don't remember the weight. I don't remember the height actually. But I remember I was short and I was a little chunky. And you would tell him during. Uh during football practice, that you were going to grow. Is that something you knew was going to happen? That's something I hoped that would happen. You just hoped? My dad, and... Yeah, my dad was 6'6", six, six, and I was 5'10", so that didn't add up. My mom was 5'11", five, 5'10", five, mm-hmm. so that didn't add up. So I knew I, I was supposed to be a little taller. Heading into your senior year, you, I mean, how did you deal with kind of growing so rapidly and then trying to oh, still play basketball? I was always a good basketball player, and I was always uh, emphasized going into my senior year. So once everything started to come together with my, my growth and speed and everything else, the strength, uh, I was able to perform at a high level, and that's how everything came came apart. But I was always a good basketball player. I was able to play even though I was smaller. In Chunky, I was always uh, a good player. While the statistics may not exactly back that up, Jay did improve drastically after he grew five inches over the course of his senior season. As a junior, he averaged 2.4 points a game. 
Jay goes into his senior year and he grew some. And he averaged 18.4 a game his senior year, so he really blossomed. He could always shoot the basketball. He was just he was a step slow, a little bigger, undersized. So I think he really had to learn to play the game from a cerebral standpoint and learn positioning, leverage, and things like that to compensate for you know his lack of lateral quickness and uh, his height. But as you know, he started growing. Uh, losing weight and coming a little quicker and all, he really seemed to uh, to do well. Going out of his senior year, you know, we had some schools, smaller schools, interested in Jay Clay, and I go to Jay, and we pull his transcripts, and we find out, I was like, hey, Jay, you changed over to technical, uh, tech prep uh, diploma your sophomore year. And he's like, yeah, coach, nobody wanted a high-foot nothing. You know, 200 plus pound point guard back then. He's like, <laughs> trying to get out of high school. So when he graduated, or by the time his senior season was over, he, uh, he was about 6'3, you know, just under 6'4. He had lost down to about 210, 215. He'd started looking good. So we made a highlight tape of uh, five or six games. We just put five or six whole videos on a DVD and uh, mailed it out to about 25 colleges. And uh, we had two colleges that, or it was JUCOs, junior colleges, and two colleges that contacted us back. In the local Villarica paper, Jay was actually named the region's best high school basketball player. But despite the success, as you heard, he was only recruited by two schools. And because he had earlier decided to switch his high school diploma to tech prep, he would have to go to a technical junior college. He ended up at South Georgia Tech in Americus, Georgia. Jay's coach at South Georgia Tech was named Stephen Wright. Now, I asked Coach Wright, what did he initially see in Jay Crowder, and why did he want him at South Georgia Tech? Uh, He had grown a lot from his junior year to his senior year uh, in terms of his physical stature. Um, You know, he was a quarterback for the football team, and I coached coached football in high school for a couple years myself, so I know the quarterback is a is a very good position, very important position, and then knowing that he had grown and then was was participating in in that in that football role, uh, that said uh, that spoke volumes to me in terms of probably where his IQ was. Uh, I knew growing into his body, he would uh, you know if I watched him play some and, and seen him on some film and, and then live, uh, I knew that he'd have to grow into that body in terms of you know growing I guess seven inches maybe over his senior year or something of that nature. And, uh, and so his lateral quickness wasn't the best early on, but he was determined because he was tough-minded and, 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 and was dedicated to the weight room and dedicated to, to getting better. Uh, I knew it was just a matter of time before he was able to fit in to that, to that new body, so to speak. And I guess um, it was game three of the season. He scored 38 uh, in a game for me, his third game of the year. And, again, you could kind of see the summer workout. You could see the early preseason workouts that it was probably just a matter of time before he really kind of hit his stride. Now, having said that, you know, I'd never seen an NBA person in my program, so I I could not very well say, you know, hey, man, this guy is going to be in the NBA. I couldn't say that. But I did know that there was something about him mentally and in terms of his work ethic that was going to continue to separate him from uh, the other people his age, the other players his age, uh, and it was just a matter of deciding that he was going to do that day in and day out. And 
and when he did, um, uh, it was, you know, there was no question as to um, who was the best player, so to speak. I knew I was the better player, better, the best player on my team at that time. I didn't know the the competition I was going against was going to be uh, how it was, but I, I didn't, I didn't know, but I knew I was a pretty good uh, basketball player on my team. He, he's probably the only kid I've ever had, and I coached for 15 years, probably the only kid that I had that at multiple times played every position. Um, it was depends on, you know, kind of where the mismatch was. He brought the ball up for us at times in the point guard position. He played the off guard, the small forward. He's played the five for us. Uh, he did a, l- a little bit of everything. They shot the ball fairly well. Um, he, he, he was very good. Uh, around the bucket, um, he, there was nothing that he couldn't do defensively. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, he was just a half a step slow laterally until he continued to to work on his footwork and in the weight room and some of our agility drills and kind of helped him get get caught up to speed on those things. But was always and he always had a knack to be where the action was, whether that was on the defensive end, whether that was a loose ball, uh, whether that was uh, an end of the game. Uh, buzzer beater, which he had, I think, two with us. Uh, he always had a knack to be right where the action was. There was just something always about him um, that that you knew he was going to succeed um, basketball-wise. He was a fan favorite here from day one. Always uh, had time to talk to people. Was uh, was mature off the court in terms of, of the way he carried himself with adults, the way he carried himself with kids, the way he carried himself with, um, you know, with teachers and the president of the school and professors and so forth. Uh, there's, there was just something unique. And, um, and obviously I'd like to give a lot of credit to his parents and, 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 and his basketball coach and those that were in his circle that really helped to prepare him uh, for ultimately not only where he was with us, but then where he is today in terms of, of dealing with people. And again, he didn't always say a whole lot in terms of, uh, you know, leading verbally, uh, but you knew uh, that he was going to give you his best. He, you knew he was going to separate uh, himself uh, in terms of, of his ability and, and work ethic. And, and he always responded. I mean, it, you know, if I, if it was during a timeout, you know, I could say to him whatever, and uh, and and he would always go out there and try to do it to the best of his ability, um, and and again prove himself day in and day out that uh, not only was he coachable, um, but but he was willing to take the next step to be as you know to be the best that he could be. This was the first time in Jay Crowder's career where his hard work and perseverance finally started to pay off. During his tremendous season at South Georgia Tech. Jay quickly caught the attention of some highly respected Division One coaches. I went to the national tournament. First time I took that school that South Georgia Tech was ever was ever there, and I was there as a bunch of Division One colleges uh, college coaches there. And uh, me being the best player in the gym, some coaches came up to me and saying, "If you wanted to play Division One basketball, you can't do a plan at this school." And once that happened, I called my dad and told him what, what the coaches had been telling me about it, telling me a lot of other coaches had said. But, and we made an adjustment. And right when the tournament was over, I didn't have him any more classes at that school. I immediately got all my things and I left. And I tried to find another junior college to go to. So in his freshman year, Jay puts South Georgia Tech on his back and leads them to the National Junior College Championship. He was named the Georgia Junior College Player of the Year, and he was finally getting some attention from some D1 college programs. 
Despite the success, there is still a huge problem. South Georgia Tech was not an accredited junior college at the time. They were in the process of getting that accreditation, but if Jay was going to transfer to a school, all of his academic work was not going to count. So if he wanted to get any sort of credit, he would have need to go to another junior college that would basically allow him to do two years of work in one. With the help of his father, Jay worked hard to try and find another junior college that would allow him to make up those credits. He was soon enrolled at Howard College, a small school in Big Spring, Texas. While at Howard, Jay was coached by Mark Adams. Adams is currently an assistant coach at the University of Arkansas Little Rock and was part of the team that recently upset Purdue in the NCAA tournament. And again, I asked Coach Adams what he saw in Jay Crowder and why he wanted to bring him to Howard. See, Jay was already a, a great player. I think he was a player of the year uh, in, in that Georgia Junior College. And, uh, you know, he just the way he played, you, you could just, as soon as you watched him play, you knew that he had a great understanding of the game. And so we knew coming in, that, and, I, you know, he was going to be a great player. I'd already had, I've been fortunate, I've had some really good players and, I had a national player of the year that went on to play for Texas Tech back in 2005. And we've had, you know, just numerous of our guys go on and play high division one basketball. But uh, so I know Jay, I knew Jay was going to be very good. But I, again, I just had no idea how special he was going to actually be until I started, until we got on the court and started coaching. He's known around Boston uh, right now for just having a tremendous work ethic and really working off the court uh, to improve his game. Um, is that something that he came to Howard with? Is it like kind of do you have to uh, teach him that, or is that just something he came with naturally? You know, I, I, I think Jay would probably admit we the first uh, two or three weeks of practice we we butted heads, and my expectations were a little different than than uh, than those of Jay. Uh, but once he bought in, and and I, I think the word is just trust. And begin trusting uh, the, the process and, and uh, our, our coaching staff. Uh, he just he raised it to a whole another level. Yeah, the issue was me just being. I knew I was the best player on the team. I knew I was the best player almost in the country at junior college. And I just wanted to play the way I wanted to play. And he's an older coach. He's an older coach. He's an older. Um, he has he has older ways about himself, and <clears throat> he wants things a certain way. And we just butted heads for for a long time, and uh, we had to sit down in his office and. I didn't. He, he wanted to send me home or something, and um, that's when I realized I couldn't really let my mom down, let my dad down, and I had to really buy in and meet him halfway, and and and, and be a be a leader, be a bigger leader than what I was doing. I was just worried about myself. I was just worried about getting to the next level. I wasn't worried about winning. I was worried about my teammates at all, and that's when everything changed. And I just started to be more of a team player, and I started to, started to uh, listen to him more and be be, be a better leader uh, by example. For, the, for my other teammates instead of being that that asshole. And um, that's when we started winning. We, we we started playing, we started winning, and we made it to the national tournament and we won it all. So that's how that went down. That by the end of the year, he really could play every position for us and was one of our best defensive players, our best rebounder, best passer. I mean, he just he dominated the um, uh, our statistics, uh, the uh, stat sheet. So, uh, but uh, again, you know, he, he. The other thing, he was also very humble. And uh, I remember, even in the championship game, we were down. Uh, uh, we were down at halftime, and he'd only. I think he attempted like four shots, and and he would. You know, he's he was so humble, but also very competitive. But you know, I, I, I just addressed the team and said, "This, you know, Jay's got us here, and we we got to get him the ball." 
and then I think he might have spoke up and said, Coach, you know, hey, I'll be, you know, get me the ball and I'll score. And we did, and we started, uh, you know, making sure he had got more touches the second half, and he he uh, just dominated the game. After all that, what I just said, me me knowing I'm the best player, and, and then him telling me I got to humble myself and and come back around and be a team player, it all came back to me at uh, the national tournament when he said, get him the ball and he's, he's going to take us there. That's exactly what happened. And, uh, at that point, I, I was always, I was so lost in just winning the, winning the championship, not worried about any personal accolades, accolades or anything like that, and I just wanted to win so bad. And uh, so I was very pleased that Coach had really just stuck to his word and told me he was going to let me be let me be the player I am, just just let him coach me. And I just had to be coachable and it came to that point, the last game of the season, national tournament game, national championship game, and he told the team just give him the ball and he's going to take us there. Now, you said you knew you were the, the best player on the court and the best player on your team, but this yeah. is only like two or three years after you're yeah. 5'11", 230 pounds. I mean, at what point did you like it click or did you realize this is actually like you have that confidence going into about your own game? Man, to be honest with you, I always had confidence in my game. It's just a matter of fact that my body catching up with my confidence. My 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 brain was always saying I was the best and, and, and trying to work as, as such. And when I got to junior college, it was just like I knew that this level of competition was not the highest, and I knew I was supposed to be playing Division One basketball at the time. So I was always there mentally. It was just about physically as my body catching up and me being able to play with bigger guys and faster guys. And once that happened, um, like I said, my, my mental approach never changed, and my work never changed, and everything just came together. At this point in the story, you should not be surprised by the success of Jay Crowder. As a sophomore at Howard College, he led his team to the national championship and ended up winning Junior College Player of the Year. After an unbelievable season like that, Jay was pretty much on the radar of every single Division I coach. And with programs like Oklahoma and Texas Tech doing their best to recruit Jay, it came as a bit of a surprise that he committed to Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. What many people don't know is that the Marquette staff was aware of Jay well before he was ever National Junior College Player of the Year. While Marquette head coach Buzz Williams may get the majority of the credit for offering Jay Crowder a scholarship er, uh, rather early on in the process, it was really his assistant coach, Scott Marnark, who was primarily responsible for Jay Crowder ending up as a Golden Eagle. Monarch was in charge of junior college recruiting when he was at Marquette and actually has an incredible track record. Two years prior, Monarch was the head coach of Tyler Junior College. And when he followed Buzz Williams to Marquette, he suggested that they take a look at a possibly underrated player from his team by the name of Jimmy Butler. That's right, the same guy who discovered unknown Jimmy Butler struck gold again when he found Jay Crowder the next year. With that being said, it's not like Scott Monarch was a some sort of junior college recruiting savant. He actually came across Crowder due to a little bit of luck and a strong belief in a person's lineage. Jay's daddy was a great player at Kentucky Wesleyan College in Owensboro, Kentucky. And I'm, I was born and raised in Owensboro, Kentucky. I used to play in the summers with his daddy. And I was an assistant for Ray Harper at Kentucky Wesleyan College. And that was, we actually brought Corey back to finish his degree. I, I knew the daddy really, really well. 
and, and ironically, I never even saw him. At first, I never saw him play. A friend of mine told me about, hey, Corey has a son, and that's that's how it all started. I mean, his daddy was the most competitive, hard nosed dude. Uh, you know, I had known. I mean, you know, his daddy, you know, ended up being national uh, Division two player of the year. And Jerry Sloan's college roommate was the coach at Kentucky Wesleyan, the assistant coach at Kentucky Wesleyan. And Corey just got a tryout. And, he, you know, he ended up making the team and went overseas and played a while. But I knew the father well. He went to South Georgia Tech. And they saw him playing a jamboree. And the friend of mine just sent me, you know, you know, we get we get emails like that, two hundred a day. Yeah. But when I saw the Crowder name and the KWC ties naturally, I just like I put two and two together, and I was like, hell yeah, I'm gonna follow up on this one, <laughs> you know, because I knew the dad, and uh, and so I followed up on it, and you know, uh, Buzz never saw him play. I mean, we 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 had him committed before then, and. Uh, and he just took off. I mean, he was such a perfect fit because Buzz plays a little different, and Jay fit into the exact same mode as Wesley Matthews and then Lazar Hayward and then, and then of course, Jimmy Butler and Jay. It was just a natural fit. When I recruited for Buzz, I always wanted to recruit bodies. You know, you look at Jimmy's body, Jay Crowder, uh, DJO came from junior college. They played a little bit of time with the Lakers because Buzz is very demanding on – you physically and a lot of these junior college kids they come in they only have a you know four or five months to get acclimated they got to play and jay just had the uh, du- the durability uh the you know to be able to do he had a high he had a high iq for basketball you know because jay played in the big east and the big east at that time was the best league in college basketball but jay could get up under you and and you know you're not going anywhere you know, I, I'll never forget we, uh, the guy I work for now, Tony Benford. Tony Benford's about 300 pounds, 6'5", 325. And I remember after practice one day, Tony goes up to Buzz and he says, now, Buzz, you piss this one off, you want to, you're on your own. There ain't nothing I can do with this one. And, and you know, and at Marquette, what we would do is we would put Jay on the five and let him play behind. And then if, if it was a really good post player, we would just double because you couldn't move him. You couldn't dislodge him. Now, why was Jay Crowder, a player who was only 5'11 as a junior in high school, so good at post-defense? It just comes from, I guess, being small and still being able to play basketball. And and now my body catch up to me, and I'm still able to move with the quicker guards and still able to strong enough to bang with the uh, the, the, the stronger uh, four post players. Uh, it's, just, it's just part of who I am. It's part of my versatility and part of what I bring. And I guess me with me being... Um, with me being smaller at a, at a younger stage really helped me become who I am today. And then when I grew, I was able to, to, to adapt to that position, whatever position that was with me being a forward or, or three or anything like that. I put all of it together, and that's what made me versatile to this day. So Jay Crowder finally had the height, the versatility, and the talent to become a really great basketball player. So I had to assume that Jay came to Marquette with the same work ethic that he's now famous for. No, <laughs> no, none of them do. None of them do. Sam, I mean, he, he, I mean, but you know, and I think this is what Buzz is really, really good at. What Buzz is really good at is, is 
he's going to hold you to your best every day. And Jay didn't want to do that at first. You know, Jay wanted to kind of, I'm going to really show you what I got. I'm going to coast a little bit, show you what I got. And then, and, and Buzz would not tolerate that. And Jimmy was the same way, though, Sam. I mean, Jimmy came there, I, I, and he'll tell you, I mean, he, he, he got crushed at first. And then what happened, you know, they, they, they stopped fighting it. And then all of a sudden they just get better and they get better in their work ethic. It comes on. But, no, Jay wasn't exactly that way at first. But, he, you know, he grew into it. He grew into it. That's when it got real for me. Uh, that's when the tough times became even even harder. And that's when I had times where Marquette, I wanted to quit and I wanted to give up. But it was being hard on us. We conditioned a lot and stuff like that. And I wasn't fond of it. And uh, that's when I that's when I, I thought about giving up basketball. But when I was when it, when it was in high school and when I was in when I was shorter, I, I didn't never I never thought about being at this point. So it really wasn't like do or die for me. But when I got to Marquette, it was like do or die. So that, those those times were a little, a little tougher for me. And uh, that's what that's what really has has made me uh, really who I am today. What was driving you during these times? Being, I was just scared to fail. I was scared to let my mom down. She had to let my dad down because they've done everything they've done. They've done everything they did to help me get to that point. My dad did all, all he could to get me into Howard. And from Howard, it was up to me to get to the Marquette. When I got to Marquette, I just didn't want to let anybody down. So I guess uh, the main, the biggest thing with me was failure. I didn't want to be a failure. Uh, that's what that's what kept me in the gym. That's what kept me wanting to be better. Um, it's not letting those guys down and, and not letting myself down, and that's just not being a failure. And I didn't want to be that guy. With that fear of failure and that fear of disappointing his family, Jay Crowder, with the help of his teammates, was able to persevere and ended up being one of the major reasons why Marquette made back-to-back Sweet 16 appearances. Despite the success, did anyone at Marquette really think that Jay was going to be an NBA player? Sam, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if people ask me this about Jimmy, I didn't think he. I mean, he's an all-star. And, you know, in, in, until you start to see the, the, the market, I, I think the, the one thing that both of them that they do have in common is that toughness and work ethic is not a given anymore. And, and that's what they bring every day. And then they, you just get better. You get better. You know, when he was Big East Player of the Year, you know, we, we, we thought he, you know, we knew, you know, he would get a shot. Uh, I think Jay, when he first came in, you know, maybe he'd go to the D League a little bit and then make it. You know, the one thing that I think Jay has brought, and if you look at his track record, he knows how to win and he plays to win. Um, but he's always been, you know, 19 going on 40. You know, the way he is off the court and the way he is as a person. But, yeah, I mean, he just he, he knows how to win. Uh, and a lot, of that, a lot of that comes from his upbringing. I mean, his father was just one of the most hard-nosed people I've ever met, most competitive. Uh, but Jay knows how to win. And, it, and when he's, 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 it's magnetic to him. Like I said, I mean, you know, you look at his track record. He takes a, a junior college. I mean, they're 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 non-existent basically. Takes to the national tournament, goes to Howard, wins the national championship. Junior college national player of the year, back-to-back Sweet 16s at Marquette, Big East player of the year, and and he and he's very unassuming with it. Uh, but he 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 just breeds winning. Knows how to win. Jay Crowder carried that work ethic and that winning attitude with him into the NBA. 
And while he didn't initially get an opportunity in Dallas to prove himself, he kept working and he kept fighting. And eventually, Celtics fans all know the story, he was included as part of the deal that got Rajon Rondo out of Boston. And in classic Jay Crowder fashion, once he got his opportunity, he knew what to do with it. In his one and a half years in Boston, Crowder has flourished under the Brad Stevens system that has given him more minutes and more opportunity. Pretty early on in his Celtic career, he figured out that Boston was the perfect match for his hard-nosed approach to the game and his no-nonsense style of leadership. I knew, I knew that right when uh, Brad Stevens told me, this crowd will love you if, you if you play hard. My first game starting for Boston, he said, if you play hard, the crowd will love you. And, and you'll become a fan favorite. And he didn't say anything about playing, uh, making baskets, making passes, making defensive stops. He said, if you play hard, the city and this crowd will love you. And that's when I knew, like, this could be a place where I can call home. I feel like you're kind of a more of a quiet leader in the locker room, or at least around the media. And I think Coach Monarch described you as 19 going on 40 or just a... <laughs> A serious guy, um, but then on the bench, I mean, we can see you probably yelling at every single player who takes a three in that corner. You're very loud, um, trying to get your teammates into the game. How do you describe your leadership style uh, as a member of the Celtics? Just lead by example for the most part. I mean, I don't, I'm not the, I'm not going to come in each and every day and yell at guys. I'm not going to do all that. I, I love to win. I love to win. That's what drives me. That's what drives my leadership ability. I just want to do whatever it takes to win. And uh, I just try to lead by example for the most part. That's what, uh, that's what I did when I first got traded here. I, I really didn't have a voice when I first got traded here. So I just wanted to come to practice. Even though we were losing when I got here, we were losing a lot of games. And the guys was acting like it was normal to lose games here and tank whatever we were doing. But I just want to lead by example and, and practice hard and, and hope that transferred over into games, which it did. And um, so I would say my leadership, my leadership ability here is just leading by example. But then we see you on the on the sidelines during the game and you seem to be a lot more I vocal. Mean, I mean, the game is different. I mean, uh, I'm, my everyday approach is leading by example. But, of course, I'm going to say I have, I have a few few things to say during the game, um, of course. But for the most part, I'm, a, I'm trying to be an everyday guy. And as a guy who comes to work each and every day, and take care of his work and do, and do what he does and, um, and and try to be the best team player. Before coming to Boston, how aware of you were? Uh, how aware of you of Isaiah Thomas were you? Did you know about his game? I mean, I was saying I was in Dallas. He was in Sacramento. I played against him a lot. We were both in the Western Conference, and uh, we played against each other a lot. And he was. Uh, for a long time, he was a he was a backup point guard. And later in that, my my I think my second year, he became a starting point guard. And um, I always knew he could score. Uh, I knew that he was in Washington when 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 I was had uh, committed to Marquette. They had put Marquette out in the championship. Uh, I mean, not in the championship, but in the national tournament game. Um, when, when, the year before I got to Marquette, I knew all. I knew I knew a little bit about him. I knew he could score the ball, but uh, I played against him a lot when he was in Sacramento when I was in, in Dallas. So I knew exactly what he was capable of doing. Was there a moment at all when you guys were playing together here that you were like, wow, this, this guy's a star, like that he's even going on beyond my expectations? No, I mean, uh, for the moment, when, when, we, when we put the ball in his hands and tell him to make a play and he can, he's able to do it, that's when you know, like, uh, he has a special talent. And his talent is, is being able to score the ball and, and do it in the flash. And we're at, we we at a point now where we're just trying to grow with each other and, and make each other grow, make each other better. And, um, uh, 
uh, I think we have a great, great um, chemistry with one another, and we respect one another game, and uh, we we enjoy working together, and that's what it's all about. Now you've had a number of different coaches throughout the years. Um, is Brad Stevens the most even keel coach you've ever had to uh, play for? For sure, for sure. Is that like I've spoken to him uh, after the games and the media yeah. sessions, and it kind of. I still don't really get his personality. Is, is he like that 24-7? Do you see him just... Yeah. I mean, of course, he's, he's got him out here and there, but for the most part, he's even killed. He's, that's who he is. He doesn't show his, uh, his how, how upset or how, how happy he is with anyone, and and um, that's just who he is. As a person, that's his personality. He's just so even killed. And I think that helps us, especially when we go through tough times and when things get bad or, or things are tough. He's always uh, very positive and, and very even kill and never let anything sway the way his um, persona is toward toward anything. He just he just stays the same. And uh, last question: um, During media day uh, this year, I asked you uh, about people calling you Bay Crowder on social media. Have you heard that whatsoever? Yeah. Have I heard it? Yeah, since I asked you that earlier in this year. I mean, yeah, people joke about it all the time. No, now that it's out there, the cat is out the bag now. So. People joke about it a lot. Do you have a do you have a favorite nickname between that or like Jesus or anything? I I mean, Jesus is a pretty good idea. That was, that was pretty cool. I mean, uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of different stuff is out there right now. Clam chowder, uh, that's out there. So I don't have a favorite, but I like them all. Now you sort of become the the fan favorite uh, here in Boston because you work so hard, um, and it, the team's winning right now. How have you liked uh, kind of adapting to the city and playing in front of the Boston fans? I love it. Uh, I love having playing for the tradition that was before me, and I take pride in it. And um, I'm very appreciative of the opportunity uh, to, to play in Boston. And um, it's, it's a it's a it's a feeling that as a player you you really that's what you want to be a part of. And um, I'm very appreciative of it. And I say I soak every moment in. I'll never forget it. All right, Jay. Uh, I appreciate you taking time right, out of your day. Uh, good luck in the playoffs. Thanks. Thank you, man. That's going to wrap it up for me, Sam Packard, here at the WEI Celtics podcast. I really appreciate you listening to the growth of Jay Crowder. It's my first foray into long form or the art of storytelling. I want to give a big thanks to my guests. That would be Jason Robinson, Stephen Wright, Mark Adams, Scott Monarch, and of course, Jay Crowder. I also want to thank Jeff Twiss and Christian Megliola of the Boston Celtics. Without their help, this wouldn't have happened. I also want to thank my parents for forcing me to listen to NPR in the car as a child. Otherwise, I probably would have had no idea how to do this. And of course, you got to shout out the great Bob Oaks. Got the greatest pipes in, uh, in public radio. I want to thank my brother for giving me some help throughout the way. Last but not least, I want to thank my girlfriend for uh, supporting me through all this and actually making sure that I finish this project. So thank you, Eileen. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Sam Packard MBA. I'd love to hear from you on there. Make sure you tune in to the WEI Celtics podcast this week as Jared Weiss and I will be recording post-game podcasts immediately after all road games in the Celtics Hawk playoff series. Those should go up pretty shortly after the game, so make sure to tune in then. Once again, thank you for listening to the growth of Jay Crowder. I really appreciate it. 
And finally, I just want to note that throughout this entire recording process and all of these interviews, I not once referred to Jay Crowder as Bay Crowder, and that is a personal victory for me. I would encourage everyone listening moving forward to call him Bay Crowder because it's really the greatest nickname in the history of Boston sports. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.